somebody who's, uh, I suppose, a bit of a fireball as far as the uh, Tongart Hewlett board is concerned is Dave Willem, an ex-banker turned professional investor, and he's been having a look at Tongart. Dave, uh, you were telling me the story about what was going on with Tongart into the into the uh, in the past, and maybe you can just unpack that for a minute. You you were in banking. Um, you now invest for your own account. What got you interested in Tongart? Alec, thank you. Um, I started around, I guess, mid-year last year when there was, I guess, quite a lot of noise coming out of the Tongart year-end results um, and some questions raised around management. And then we saw Peter Stoudy retire or leave, as well as the CFO. And I started to have a, a much deeper look at the numbers and What's customary for me is to look at a 10-year view so I can really see what's been happening in the sort of longer-term trends. And it just struck me that there there was a significant growth in the levels of borrowings. Um, The cash flow statement didn't seem to support the earnings that were being reported. Um, A lot of those earnings seemed to be in the balance sheet and the form of other assets and so when I started to look at those assets things like the um, biological assets um, the uh, fixed assets um, about 8 billion of capex over the 9 year period I looked at and uh, and various other things such as property work in progress so ordinarily one would like to see in a company earnings underpinned by cash in the bank but when those earnings are backed up by assets that haven't been realized, then you've got to start to question whether those earnings are real or whether they are being managed or whether they're just poor quality earnings. And that's kind of, I guess, what piqued my interest. So, so what did you do from there? Well, I, I built a model, a very, very detailed model, which is kind of, what I guess, what I do and how I think. Um, and then I started to look for the levers and the drivers that, um, you know, influence the results of a company. Every company's got its own unique levers and drivers. So you can't just look at the standard ratios. I think that can be dangerous because you're kind of taking a, a single lens view of a company. You've got to find the things that drive that particular company's results. And Certainly, in a company like Tongart, with its different divisions, I had to break it down and look at sugar, the property, and also look at the off uh, or outside of South Africa businesses. And it's, it started to really strike me that there had been a significant and, and unexplained growth in things like biological assets. I couldn't find evidence that they'd been expanding the land that they were farming. And so, and I couldn't see any evidence that there was a justification for higher valuations because sugar price was down and yields had been fairly poor. And so I spoke to some people in the industry and you start to piece the puzzle together. And I guess that's where I started to get some real concerns. So, so what did you approach the board? You approached the board and, and how was the board's reaction? Well, I guess initially I was received very politely and, um, you know, there was a degree of I guess, responsiveness, but it didn't really lead to anything. And it was only really when, I guess, um, Gavin Hudson arrived uh, that I had another meeting with him and the new CFO, and 
presented my views, and, and I'm not for a second saying that, you know, my views were suddenly unique or were, you know, the only, I guess, um, critical views there, but I, I guess I presented them in a way which um, certainly rung a bell. And I think from there on, then on, we've seen a very rapid, um, I guess, deterioration in the the business operations and, and just almost a sense of panic emerging out of the company. Um, and it, in a sense, almost made worse by the fact that it doesn't really seem like they have a plan. It seems like they sort of almost bouncing from one crisis to the next. Well, if only the board had listened to you in the first place. But is it given that the company is now, the shares are now suspended until probably the end of October, so the auditors and the forensic auditors can go in there and see exactly what happened, is it likely that shareholders, given the, the huge debt pile in this company, are actually going to get anything out? Alec, I think it's um, it's you know it's, it's both dangerous and um, difficult to speculate. Um, however, I think that there are there are enough red flags that have been raised by various people and based on my research, as well as being indicated by the company through its various sins announcements, to say that the gross assets, the assets on the balance sheet, bear in mind they are historical cost-based assets, in other words, they, what they recorded in the book set, will be written down very substantially. Um, they indicated three and a half to four and a half billion, but bear in mind that's only as at 31 March 2018. And one still has to factor in uh, things like the devaluation of the Zimbabwean currency and possibly losses in 2019. And who knows where those assets could end up. But what's more important I guess, is what is the value of these businesses? And will the bankers be willing to continue to lend against the cash flows that these businesses can generate? Or will they require some of these businesses to be sold, which I think they've already acknowledged. And it's now a question of which businesses and and how much they will get for them. Why are the checks and balances in the system falling short? We've had Steinhoff, we've had uh, MassMart share price, for instance, collapsing and the chief executive there departing as well. What's going on in corporate South Africa that these issues that should have been picked up by people who are very well remunerated to do that are not being? Look, it's a very good question and there's, there's, there's some in the market who will say that you know you've got a Trust put place place trust in management, and after all, you pay CEOs and CFOs and their management teams enormous amounts of money to manage the company. They're closest to it, but I think it's dangerous to assume that you should just place reliance on that on that single group without the checks and balances or without the additional safeguards that come from the layers of assurance, such as the external auditors, the board, I think they're critical safeguards that need to be in place. It, it can't be acceptable that one or two percent of companies fail and that's just part of the system because we've got millions and millions of people's savings that are invested in the market. The cost of capital is affected by the perception of the companies listed in a market. So it has systemic implications if we don't get it right. And I think that there's a need to really look at all these safeguards 
and understand whether the environment has changed and how they should change with it. I think the auditors need to rethink their approach to auditing, the complexity of IFRS and the complexity of company structures with global uh, businesses is making it very, very hard. And that's why we've seen things like Steinoff and others. I think boards need to be strengthened. And, I, and a lot of people say boards are paid too much. And I actually think, in a sense, they do too little. And maybe they should be paid more, but they should be demanded to do more.